You are listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk by Pastor Terry Riley titled, Forgiveness Accepted, from the series, PT's Favorite Talk. For more info, visit creekside.org. If you would, turn to Luke chapter 24. Uh, That's where we're going to launch off today. Uh, the program says PT's favorite talk. I was kind of, I was going to kind of hitchhike on. I, got, you know, I told all my friends that visited, I said, listen, pick out your favorite talk because we preachers, we have favorite themes or whatever. And I said, just pick your favorite talk. And um, <clears throat> some of them probably did. I don't know if all of them did, but um, it's kind of hard probably for a preacher to do. Uh, and it says today is my favorite talk. Well, it's not really. I haven't given this talk before. I've given themes around this talk, um, but I haven't given this talk before. But this is what I'm going to do for the next few weeks. I'm going to give you some of my favorite slash what I believe to be most important talks for people. Uh, because I, 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 I counsel a, a still a fairly good amount, not as much as I used to, but I still counsel. And for these next two weeks, I'm going to talk about one of the most important themes that I see in people's lives. It's forgiveness. And it really has two parts. It's the receiving and it is the giving. When I'm sitting in my office and I'm counseling people, I'm going to say probably 90% of the time this theme comes up. Either this sense of I don't feel forgiven by God and and there's so many people that I know that live with this low sense, low-grade guilt throughout their whole life because of things they've done or something that they've done in their past and they just go, how could God ever forgive me? And so they, they carry that. David said it this way. He says, when I was quiet, in Psalm 32, he says, when I was quiet, my bones waxed. They, it's almost like they were breaking because he felt this guilt of this unconfessed sin in his life. The other part of that that I often deal with with people, it can be in marriage, it can be in relationships, it can be with parent, child, it can be in all of these things, is the ability to give forgiveness. It's one thing to accept forgiveness from God, but it's another thing to be able to give it to those people that have hurt you. And I've sat with people who literally just shake their hand or they slap their hand down on the table and says, how can I? I'll never forgive them. And the sad thing is, loved ones, is that becomes toxic to your soul. You're not punishing those people, you're punishing yourself. So I want to talk about accepting forgiveness um, today, and then next week we're going to talk about giving it. Because, see, forgiveness is at the very core of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to give it to you and me. So look what it says here in Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 45. It says, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is like his almost one of his altar call times to the disciples because he's just resurrected and now he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. So it's as if he calls them together and he says, listen, don't forget this. This is critical. This is important. This is priority. And he says this, this is what is written. The Messiah talking about myself would suffer and from the dead, raised from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name. To all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And listen, loved ones, I'd probably just insert there and say, and Creekside 
you are witnesses of these things. And hopefully, I'm sure most of us in this room have experienced that. So what was the message? It was the message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And repentance simply means this, loved ones. It means you have this encounter with Jesus. And once that comes, you kind of do this U-turn. You do this about face. You leave those negative elements of your old life and you turn to Jesus. And it's at that point that you begin to experience the forgiveness of sin. I could give you a number of other scriptures. Let me give you one more. Paul preached the same message, proclaimed it. And he says in Acts chapter 13, verse 38, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus... The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. What was proclaimed? It's the good news that through Jesus, you can be fully forgiven, incredibly deeply accepted by the living God. Forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. But hear me, it's also at the core, not only the gospel of the good news that we proclaim to people, but never forget, it's vertically centered too for you to experience it so you're not carrying around the luggage of the past. But also, it's got a horizontal application that we'll look at next week that you don't want to be carrying baggage from the past either with people around you. I recently, I'll tell you the story a little more in depth next week, but I recently saw somebody, and uh, I know this person has something against, I knew this person and had something to, against me, and I thought, well, you know, it's been a number of years now, and it's probably gone. So I went up to approach him, and he wouldn't even look at me. He wouldn't even acknowledge me. You know, here's the kicker. You know what the kicker on all that is? This is what I tell people all the time when I'm counseling them now. Did you know you're gonna, I'm going to be spending eternity with that person? <laughs> or, or maybe I should say they're going to spend with me. And so we've got to work it out here. That's why, that's why God says this is kind of the, this is, you know, this is the, the first stage of the play, first act of the play. We're preparing for eternity. And so we have to understand, loved ones, this, this whole thing of forgiveness, if we don't take care of it, it will become toxic to our soul. So we're going to look at both. Now, Jesus, our Lord, in the Lord's Prayer said this. When you pray to your Father, pray this way. Father, forgive us our debts and our sins as we forgive our debtors and those who sin against us. So if Jesus said pray that way, act on that, that's what we're going to talk about. So today we're going to look at the first part, how to receive it and how to give it. Now, now hear me, look at me. I'm not a negative preacher. And today you might go, oh, wow, what happened with him on vacation? He, he's coming back as negative Nick. Well, I'm not. I'm just, but I've got to set the foundation for this. Uh, so just, just listen. Why do we need this thing called forgiveness? I mean, you may think, well, oh, man, you know, PT, I don't know. I mean, what have I done that's really so bad? I mean, I open doors for little old ladies, help them across the street. I'm nice. I'm a pretty good person. And I like me. That's how some of us kind of, if we don't think it, we act it. So why is this so critical? Critical? Well, because it's sin, this thing called sin. And sin is killing us. And the farther we get from our past, the closer we get to Jesus, sometimes, if we're not careful, the easier it is to forget that we're still sinners. Uh, let me tell you what the Rileys do, Terry and Trina, on Sunday night. After a Sunday, whether it's been good, bad, or indifferent, I just feel like I need to add some mayhem and murder to my life. 
So we go home and we watch Columbo. And there's, there's something very nostalgic about it. Because when I was a little boy growing up, I would watch Bonanza. And now I've, but I've, you know, I'm older now, so I can handle a little bit of murder, mayhem, and mystery. But I love, we love Columbo. I mean, we've probably seen every one of them 20 times. But we still go home tonight. We're going to watch whichever Columbo's on. We actually, we, we tape it. So we're going to watch it. But I got to tell you, my favorite one is when Johnny Cash is the guest killer. And he comes on, and he's a, he's a country star, you know, and he tours, and he travels, and he has a little falling out with his wife, and he does what, uh, you know, I guess people do. They kill him. And uh, so <laughs> Columbo is on his tail for the whole show, and you know how Columbo is, the frumpy cop. Just I love him. And at the end, he finally confronts him, and Johnny Cash can no longer worm his way out. And he looks at him, and he says, Columbo, I just got to tell you something. I'm so glad this is done because the guilt has been killing me. And see, loved ones, that's kind of how sin works in our life. It just brings this low grade of baggage that we carry. I was recently talking to a guy in one of these just chance encounters. We're standing in line together. We're talking and waiting and waiting. And <clears throat> as it goes, we're talking. And he find, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I pastor Creekside Church here in Martinez, and he goes, oh, really? He starts asking a few questions about that, and seemed to be somewhat interested, so I said, well, well why don't you come visit? <laughs> a big chuckle, big belly laugh. He goes, not me, man, because if I come, the building will call, fall, it'll collapse, or if it doesn't collapse, man, God's going to send lightning bolts, and I said, well, listen, partner, you don't have to worry about that, because I'm there, and he hasn't happened yet, and he kind of chuckles about that, but isn't it interesting? I know you've talked to people that say the same thing. Haven't you? People have this sense of, you know, I'm just not quite right with God. And, 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 they, and they have a, a bad understanding. They understand wrongly. Uh, and they, they understand the right part of that there's probably some things in their life that are out of place. But they misunderstand the love of God that says, I want to take you. I want to transform you. Let me give you a simple definition of sin. It's rebellion against God. In Genesis, the first book of the Bible, our ancestors, Adam and Eve, they had this run of paradise, the Garden of Eden with one limitation. God says, I don't want you to eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. But like all of us, what did they decide to do? I got a better way. And so they disobeyed, and they went ahead and ate, and it was a deliberate act of rebellion. Why? Because they wanted to be free. They wanted to do whatever they wanted. And every human being since, including you and me, have experienced the consequences of that, as well as, in so many of our own ways, deliberate acts of rebellion against the God who loves us. Because we think we know life better than the originator and creator of it, don't we? Well, well PT, what is sin then? Is, is it just doing bad things? <laughs> yes, but it's so much more. See, one of the words that the Bible uses for sin, and it's this Greek word called hamartia, which means missing the mark. And what it pictures is an archer who takes his bow and arrow, and he's shooting at this target. And you've got these circles, and then you've got the bullseye. And to not miss the mark, this word hamartia means that you hit the bullseye right in the middle of the bullseye. I mean, perfect. And so what he's saying here is that sin is simply missing the mark. Whenever you miss the mark, any time we are less than perfect, like what God has designed us for. Remember, when Adam and Eve were created, they were perfect. I mean, they were tens. You've never seen a ten. 
know, we think we've seen a woman that's a 10 or a man that's a 10. You haven't. They were perfect and they were 10. But at the moment that they decided to rebel against God, do their own way, make their own decision against what God said, guess what happened? They fell. They missed the mark. You and I do that. Anytime we miss what God has for us to do. You have to understand, sin is not just something we do, but it's something we are. See, we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. That's what it talks about. That's kind of the central theme throughout the Bible, that once we're born, we're born into iniquity. It just courses through our vein. So we have to find the antidote to that, and the antidote is Jesus Christ who comes to bring us forgiveness. But see, we, we kind of forget about this little thing, missing the mark. We start focusing on the biggies of sin. You know I'm a golfer. I'm always working on my golf score on vacation. My golf game's been in the tanks. And so I, I was really working on it, and then Trina decides to play. So the price of golf went up, and now I can't work on, now I can't work on my game. I've got to help her. And so we're working, but when I'm playing, and if you're a golfer, you know this, sometimes I'll, I'll hit a putt, and it just barely misses the cup. I mean, it lips out. And I go, oh, I hit that perfectly. What happened? No, I, I didn't hit it perfectly. I missed the mark because if I would have hit it perfectly, guess what? It would have gone in. And see, it's a stroke. It cost me a stroke, whether I miss it by an inch or by a mile. It is still missing the mark. And sometimes we forget that, loved ones, about sin. Listen, a white lie is as much sin as a bold-faced lie. I mean, Jesus even talked about it. He said, your thoughts are just about as bad as the action, so you've got to even control your thoughts. And those little white lies, they lip out, but they're as bad as a bold-faced lie or whatever it is. And we have a tendency to say, ah, sin, sin, whatever. But you missed the mark. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, my goodness. If all those little things add up and layer up to the sin of my life, wow, that must be a lot. Hold that thought. See, Scripture says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Who has sinned? Who has sinned? Who? Okay, okay, who is all? Us. Okay, raise your hand if you're an all. Now, there you go. Is there anybody, if there's anybody at your table not raising their hand, you tell them you're an all too. Because <laughs> it's every one of us all. Did you know what it means in the Greek? All. It's, it's, it's really deep there, but it's all. Paul goes on to say how sin is killing us. Three chapters later, he says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I just tell you something? The wages of sin is pretty expensive. And sometimes we forget that. God tells Adam and Eve, if you disobey, you eat the forbidden fruit, you're going to die. And since that time and they sinned, death has entered our world. You and I will die physically. And many people, if they don't know Jesus, will die physically and spiritually. Isaiah said it this way, that your iniquities have separated from you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. So he won't even hear you, Isaiah 59, 2. See, sin kills, and it, and it separates us from God now and for eternity. Now, I know some of you, there's probably a couple of you in here going, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm not really that bad. 
Okay, well, here's the second question. How bad is it? It's worse than you think and way worse than you know. Remember, Jesus said this when he prayed. He said, Father, forgive us our debts. And he's talking there about, God, I, we need you to forgive our sins and our debts. And what sometimes we forget, loved ones, that every one of us, all of us have this huge debt to God. If we break man's law, if we get caught speeding, if we traffic in drugs, if we don't file our income tax, if we steal from somebody, if we assault somebody, if we do something that's kind of a, an egregious crime against our fellow people or business or whatever, guess what? If we are caught, a couple of things could happen. Number one, we could be fined heavily and or we could go to jail. And what is that term? What do they say? Ah, they've got to pay their debt to society. Guess what? God has established certain laws. Now, I don't like the word laws, but he calls them that. I see them much more like guardrails of grace. That when it's not so much like, when he, he says don't do that, but he says it because he's like this loving father that knows exactly what you and I need. And whatever he tells us, it's for your benefit. It's like being a really perfect parent. You know, you tell your kids to be home at a certain time. It's because you want them to be home because you want to know where they are. You, and, you know, when they're out past a certain time, very little good can happen. So God has established his laws. But when we break them, well, we have these wages, the Scripture says, that we have to pay because the wages of sin is death. And every violation carries a significant penalty. Even if we don't see it now, it does in time. And if we never respond to the love and the forgiveness and the life of Christ, it can into eternity. But you say, okay, well, okay, so sin is missing the mark. Uh, that's, that's good. Well, let me give you a couple of other definitions of it or expressions or examples of it. There are sins of commission. Those are the things when we commit a bad deed. 1 John 3, 4 says this, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So remember, when David deliberately committed adultery with Bathsheba, he broke God's law. When you and I intentionally lie, steal, cheat, kill, break any of the commandments or only one of them, we are guilty of sins of commission. How about this one, sins of omission? It's we omit or fail to do the right thing. James 4.17 says this, anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. See, there are things we know that we should be doing, but we neglect to do. We ought to be more generous, some of us, with the poor. We need to be, some of us, more concerned with the marginalized people of our culture. We need to be more thoughtful and and uh, kind to those people who are far from God. We know we need to be less judgmental. We need to be more patient with our family, with our friends, and definitely when we're driving. <laughs> See, all of those become sins of omission when we don't do what we know we're supposed to do. They're sins of stumbling. James 2.10 says that whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. You may have one pet sin, and you don't do any others, which I know is not true, but let's just say you think that. That one pet sin will ultimately eat you. Because if you do one, the Bible says you might as well have broke all of them. 
Well, it see, it can happen how we stumble into things. You know, something happens around you, and you get startled, and you say something and scream it out or yell it out to yourself or to somebody, and you go, oh, I, I, why did I do that? You get angry. You retaliate. You get caught up in careless gossip. Oh, you didn't mean to do it, but you just kind of got into it. See, those are all sins that we can just stumble into, and sometimes, you know, it just happens. And then there's sins of the thought life. The Bible says that God punished the people of Noah's day. Why? Because of their imagination and the thoughts of their hearts that were continually wicked. Jesus said, you've heard it said, uh, that you do not kill. But I tell you, even if you hate in your mind, it's just as bad. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, don't even have lustful thoughts. So Jesus kind of ramps up this whole thing. Psalm 94, 11, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, and he knows they are futile. I mean, just think about it, loved ones. There's, I don't know, a couple hundred people here in this service. What would happen if all of a sudden these screens just turned into the scrolling thoughts of your mind right now? And you're laughing because you go, oh, my gosh, what... Everybody would exit stage right, left, and center. Because it's hard to control, isn't it? So let me illustrate this whole thing about death. I was driving up to the church this morning. And listen, I'm not, you know, people have said, hey, Pastor, maybe we should have a, you know, a staff parking space. As I said, are you kidding me? We're going to park as far away as we can from everything so everybody else, that's silliness. Although some churches do that, and that's no problem. But I'm driving up today. Just this whole thinking thing. How quickly it can happen. I'm preaching this morning. First time back, so I should be really holy. But so I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I'm driving up, and all of a sudden I got my little parking spot because I got this new little Honda car I've had for a few months now. And, and I like it to stay cool so that after I get out of service, after working so hard, that I just get to go in there and it's not going to be burning up. I drive up and there's a car in my spot, my, my cool spot. And I go, what cotton picker would take my spot? I just, you know, there's this moment of, like, indignant. And then I go, oh, I know who it is. It's this guy who got a new car, a Porsche Carrera. And he thinks that's more important than my little Honda. And Pete Manella, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat him up. And then I thought, oh, no, I can't, I can't, i got to preach. So, um... But, but isn't it amazing how quickly our thoughts can just go south? And I know some of you think, well, Pastor, you're just really an unholy dude. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I, I probably am. But I want to illustrate this death that we owe God this way. How many times a day with this understanding, omission, commission, stumbling, thought life? I mean, how many times a day do, do you think you sin? I could ask you to tell the person next to you, but I won't. But if you like to do these kind, maybe just write down, how many times do I think I sin a day? I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, you know, let's, let's, who are the most perfect people I know in my lifetime? I'd have to go, well, probably Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. So I said, you know, I'll bet on their best day, it's probably on an average of three sins a day. And I just kind of arbitrarily throw it out there, right? I mean, these, these are good people. Three times. And then I thought, okay, Creeksiders, how many times a day do they, you know, they, you're, you're good people. How many times a day do you probably sin? And so I said, you know, let's be conservative. Let's say maybe 10. 
you know, ten times you, you know, you get up, you get mad at the kids. Oh, there's one. You know, you know, kind of this unwarranted anger that just kind of flares up. Uh, then you have this bad thought about your husband because he didn't do this, or your wife because she didn't do that. And I mean, you know, so you just all these things. You go to work and you just want to cuss somebody out. You thought it, but you didn't do it. Or maybe some of you did it. Hopefully not. But all these things, you know, they, they just start adding up, and so you got ten. And I'm going, well, that's, that's, you know, that's 10. So you're, you're, you're a lawbreaker. And that this is the thing. You don't have to break the law at every point to be a lawbreaker. And for most of us, listen, loved ones, I, I do this. I think I'm better than I am until I show up and somebody takes my parking spot. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that becomes this mirror. And so I've already got a few sins coming into service that I had to repent for. Now, so for example, because you all are such wonderful people, conservative sinners, I'm just going to say, let's say you average 10 sins a day. So by the time you're 10, you would have racked up 36,500 sins. Isn't that good news? (laughs) So if you're 20, it'd be 73,000. 40, 146,000. If you're almost 60 like me, I'm pushing 219,000. And if you're 80, 292,000 sins, conservatively speaking. And that doesn't even count leap years. (laughs) But who's counting? We sure don't. And I'm so thankful God doesn't either. He numbers our hairs, but he doesn't number our sins. I love this prayer. Dear Lord, so far today, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I haven't whined, complained, cursed. I haven't even eaten any chocolate. But Lord, I'm going to be getting out of bed in just a minute. And then, and then I think I'll really need your help. And I go, oh, Lord, that's me. I can rack up 10 sins before I can even get out of bed. (laughs) Now, the point is simple, and I want you to laugh about it, but it's a very serious subject. What what we never can forget, loved ones, is we're, we're sinners, and we carry this huge debt. That's all. That's you. That's me. And the debt has to be taken care of. So how much does God forgive? Oh, It's better than you could ever believe. I have wonderful news. When you come to Jesus, you can be fully forgiven. You are fully accepted by God. Would you say this with me? I am fully forgiven and accepted by God. Now, I am fully accepted and forgiven by God. Or whichever way, both are good. Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to tell the person next to you, you are fully loved and accepted and forgiven by God. Really, go. tell, Tell the person next to you. Confess that to them. Because see, loved ones, this, listen, this has to be part of our vocabulary. Jesus said, Paul said, I want you to proclaim this. That Jesus came to give you the forgiveness of sins and acceptance in life. And there are people in this room that need to hear that today. And there are people in our community, there are people out there that need to hear that. Every good thing you have failed to do, every, big or small, you're forgiven. Every bad thing that you have done where you missed the mark of God's perfection, where you think you just missed it by a little, you just leapt out a little bit. Oh, 
can be forgiven. John 19.30, Jesus is on the cross, and it says when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Those words, it is finished. Jesus wasn't saying, oh, thank God it's done. I don't have to suffer anymore. I don't have to experience any more torture. No. What happens is Jesus is declaring, the Greek word is teletestai, and it means paid in full. It would have been the thing that would have been stepped, it would have been, excuse me, stamped on a legal document when something was paid off or a debt was removed. They would have put on there, teletestai, it is finished. It's canceled. And Jesus, loved ones, has paid every cent of your thousands of lifetime of debt. You are fully forgiven. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. Paul uses some of the same language and verbiage. He says, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. It was taken away. How? Because it was nailed to the cross. There's a legal, spiritual transaction that has to take place between you and the living, loving God. And that's what happens when we repent. We turn away from our old life and we come to him. Paid in full. It was last week. I'd returned and I'd had a lot of meetings. And uh, one morning I had a meeting at TJ's with Kenny Pastega. So in getting up, I knew, okay, we'll take a lot of money because he, he'll eat a lot and he won't pay, I'm sure. <laughs> and he did eat a lot and he didn't pay. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's another story. But we walk in and we, 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 we walk in and there's the Westnage brothers, Jack and his wife and Mike, and they're having breakfast. And we greet them and then we sat down and started having our little meeting, and then the Westnages, they leave, and we greet them and say goodbye, and uh, Kenny and I, we continue our, our little meeting, and Yanni, who is a waitress that I know there, and I get to ask for the ticket, and she goes, oh, no, no, those guys over here, they paid for it, and I thought, well, how gracious and kind and sweet was that, which is really good, because I knew Kenny wouldn't, but uh, they did. <laughs> And so I looked at her and I said, well, listen, Yanni, do you know any other mornings they come in? And uh, I, uh, I'm not cheap. I'm just a little frugal. And uh, it's nice being the pastor of the church. Sometimes people will do that for me. But I was just thinking, wow, how sweet that was that they would pay our bill. Now, I, I tell you that because you know what's interesting? I usually remember to say thank you to people. Uh, try and send a note oftentimes. And I haven't, and, and I was studying and thinking about this debt thing. And if I come back to my mind, you know what? I never thanked them. And I saw them Friday. I, for, I just, I got busy last week in the midst of everything. I totally forgot to say thank you to them. And I haven't sent them a note, which I did yesterday. Because I knew I was going to say this today. But, but, I, but also because I would do that anyway. <laughs> but, I, but I felt really bad because it's been over a week and a half and I usually do that very quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Because you never, you know, cheap skin. I mean, Kenny, that's thank you. But here, here's the deal. I thought, you know, 
isn't it easy for me to begin to think of myself as being so wonderful that I don't have to think that Jesus and thank him and rejoice and love and want to become all that I can be for him because I forget that he canceled my debt of sin. And I never want to be a people. I never want to be a church, loved ones, that do that. David said it this way, how blessed, how happy, how joyful are we to know that our sins are forgiven. Come down, Spirit, fall on your church today.